listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lower. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, the 28th of September. And again with me this week, I've got Joe, the Resto Drew, or sorry, Resto Shaman. That was damn near an insult for you, wasn't it? <laughs> Resto Shaman, yeah. <laughs> writer for World of Maticus and writer for Way of the Totem, which you've been doing quite a bit more of your RP writing, your fan fiction writing on that blog. That is correct. I'm using it as a space to uh, to put the RP back in the MMORPG. Well, it's about time. We've also got Enrique from Spooncraft.com. Thanks for coming back, my friend. How are you this evening? I'm doing much better than it was last time. You weren't doing well last time? Uh, you had me at least, you know, a good gallon and a half ahead on the alcohol, but I'm okay this time. I'm good. Well, that's all right then. Okay, we've we've got our maxes and our mins, and we know what we're going to be doing this tonight. Um, it's going to be a little bit less formal with the instru- introductions this week. However, what I realized upon listening to the first podcast is that I hadn't really gone into much about myself, and part of that was because a I've been doing the other podcast for a while, so most of the people already probably know a little bit about me, and also b by then I'd already had like what two and a half glasses of wine, so I was just cruising through stuff and having fun. Um, myself, for those who don't know, I do Wow Dogs the podcast um, sporadically at this point. It's not been getting updated quite as often as it used to, but it is still getting some updates. And I also do the Vinyl Experience podcast, which is devoted to Indian unsigned musicians, such as the incredible Manali Jamal, who does the guitar work for our podcast. If you've been listening and you heard his intros and the exit music that I'm using, he is, in my opinion, a god on that instrument, and I cannot speak highly mm-hmm. enough about him. Go buy his CD. It is really that good. In terms of gaming experience, well, I'm pretty old school. I mean, I've been gaming literally since the first days of gaming. Yes, I am that old, Rick. And I have had damn <laughs> near... Yo, you were waiting. You were biting your tongue. I know it. I've had damn near every one of the consoles at one time or another. I've done a lot of different things. Um, of course, for the time being, the biggest things that I'm playing right now are, of course, World of Warcraft, although that's kind of diminished somewhat. And the new pain in the ass of my life has been Aeon. Or I should I should probably start pronouncing it properly. It's Aeon, not Aeon. Um, but yeah, my time has dropped down in World of Warcraft, and I'm finding that... I'm not minding that as much as I used to. I know that, like I've been, same as you guys, been playing since beta. And because I've taken breaks at different times, it's gotten easier progressively to take time away from the game as well. And I still, I mean, I still game on all the consoles and different other PC games as well. It's not like when WoW first came out and that's all I could do was play WoW. It's gotten to the point where it's a lot easier now, and I don't know if it's also because of the lack of content that interests me, because there is content that's being added, but not as much that interests me per se. And there's also other games that are coming out that are quite interesting, like Ion, when you can actually get to play it. So I don't know if you guys are finding the same thing, that it's a lot easier to to drift away from WoW right now. 
Well, yeah. I'll be on. I I can't say I am. I'm still plowing through the content and still having a blast. So I'm I'm still addicted to the crack that is Blizzard's WoW. You know, um, I actually was about as deeply addicted to WoW as possible, but I found it's really funny because a bunch of my friends also happened to, to quit around the same time. It's like it really is like like doing meth or something. It's a terrible drug, the World of Warcraft. But if you stay sober for a week, if you don't log in for seven consecutive days, then you can kick it, you know, and you're good. And that's where I'm at now. I've actually, I actually have not logged in. Wow, in a little over a month and a half, maybe two months, even at this point. Yeah, see, I've actually taken breaks that were substantially longer than that, obviously. Um, there were different times when, and and I think a lot of people have gone through that, where in, you get to a point where you're playing far too much, especially if you're trying to progress a lot. And for me, the, the biggest breaking point was when I was going towards my, when the, when the Battlegrounds first came out in the ranks, and you had to literally pvp day and night miss work just so that you wouldn't your honor wouldn't degrade kind of thing and it got to the point where Mm -hmm. i was playing way way too much and i took a break and at that point i took a break for about three or four months actually and then periodically since then i've also taken breaks the last break i took was actually a good five or six months so it was a good chunk of, of time away from the game so it was nice when i came back they'd introduced a lot of things that made it then a lot more exciting to get into plus at that time i had a buddy who was just starting up and so it made it fun to play with him but i found that because of those breaks away it really changed how i looked at the game and how easy it was to then kind of step away which is what i'm finding now again with ion having come out and and trying very hard to 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 play it when i am playing it i'm having a lot of fun and it is something completely different wherein it's a different gaming experience that's fun and refreshing again instead of the grind that i'm doing for a while right now so and you were saying too rick because you were having problems getting in to either of the games on patch day for wow on the tw- on uh, on tuesday that you were actually playing some left for dead as well yeah i mean i've i've been a major fan of um of valve games ever since the original half-life and whatnot left for dead is just kind of like right up my alley but um that's that's my 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 casual game that's what i play when the servers are down for everything and when the patch came out specifically for wow and I unlaunched that exact same night. It's just you couldn't do anything else but other games, you know, and that's that's my game of choice. That's my other game of choice until uh, late November. Yeah, I'm actually still playing it, and I actually still play when in times like that where you can't get into any other game and you just need a fast fix. Still loving TF2. My son and I still play Team Fortress 2 all the time, and I would actually say that I even prefer TF2 over Left 4 Dead just for fast bounce in and shoot the shit out of shit. Yeah, I've played Team I've played Team Fortress 2 and I have a lot of fun with it, but it's just it I I don't know. I I suck so bad compared to to Left 4 Dead. I mean, I don't know. Well, for that I'm going to say don't uh don't get down on the source because you suck. Hey, hey now. <laughs> good point, good point. With that we're going to go into the news and we're going to touch on Left 4 Dead 2. Enrique, you were saying that you were checking out how it's going to be different from the first one, more wherein it's going to be more about campaign style of play as opposed to the current um, episodic kind of vignettes where you just go in and it's the same thing. Yeah, pretty much what they've done with the game is they've noticed um, in all the different gameplay modes, people kind of just roboticized the whole thing. They automated playing the game, either in versus or in campaign, whenever those are crescendo or a big event that kind of forced you to have this big 
you know, climactic thing going on, players would just hunker down and kind of like cheese their way around it. But, um, you know, getting back to the point, uh, with Left 4 Dead 1, you have, you know, the game's leading cinematic intro and that leads to that first campaign where you have to get out through the hospital and whatnot and that's it. All the other levels, all the other episodes or whatever are completely independent, have nothing to do with the storyline whatsoever. So with Left 4 Dead 2, you are still playing as these survivors, these four survivors, Ellis, Coach, Rochelle, and Nick, and you're in New Orleans and you progress through the whole bit. You know, you go from, you know, Savannah, Georgia, New Orleans, you're like all over the place. You go through the swamps, through carnivals, you have a legitimate progression from episode to episode. I think that's that's a really, really good idea to get the game, you know, a little bit better off in the in the single player campaign. Well, it what it does is it makes it that much deeper for people who actually do care about a story driven game kind of thing, which is what we're all about here. I what I like about I do like a good shooter wherein you just kind of bounce in and it's uh, it's very quick and you get her done. But I like it to have some some kind of story behind it. If they can mix the two, wherein you do get that feel for something. Um, that's greater than just go in and shoot X amount of zombies kind of thing. And this, I mean, the first one had a certain amount of that already in it. So if they can progress on that for the second one, it's going to make one hell of a game. Well, yeah, because, I mean, think about it, too. If you're just playing as a soldier and that's your character, you're just in there, you know, eliminating zombies. Okay, yeah, you run in, you kill a whole bunch, you get your quota, and then you move on. But in this, they actually went ahead and had you know, voice acting for the characters. They had to make backgrounds and bios and stories for the survivors that you're playing as. So, yeah, you know, it, it should be a little bit more story driven. It should be fantastic. Yeah. And from that, we're going to bounce into the breaking news, which you've got lined up for us right now. I do actually. Um, there's been quite a bit of news in the past weekend and day. Uh, most of it's World of Warcraft news. Cause frankly, that's, you know, where all the buzz is. I mean, we're going to get into the ion stuff later on in the podcast, obviously, but for the most part, here's what we have going on. Uh, first and foremost, there has been mount price changes once again in WoW. So folks who are just getting into it or just hitting a certain level, the prices have dropped again significantly if you want to get your mounts. Um, if you see people running around in big giant purple dragons, well, it's they've been playing the game for a little bit more than a year and a half now because Violet Poto Jakes are now available. And am I the only one who thinks those are the ugliest fucking mounts in the game? Yes, I want one like nobody's business. I want one with you, but only because it's going to give my flight form 310 speed, not because of how it looks. It is butt fucking ugly neon purple. Looks like it should be on a parade. Dude, hands down, I am two achievements away from it. I cannot bring myself to log on and get it like at all. I just I can't bring myself to do it. It's such a hideous mount. I mean, I really mean when you're looking at the newest Alduar um, proto-drakes that they've got, the the what is it? The, there's a rust one and the, what's the, the iron, iron one? Yeah. Iron bound. Those fucking things are incredible. I mean, those suckers look epic. Those are beautiful. And, and we all know that Blizzard likes to just reskin the same thing. So it's going to have the same shape and dimensionality. However, they all they do is they change the colors. And it looks like this should have been set in like Outlands when you wore all the pinks and purples and pimp shit. Because that's what this looks like. It's unbelievably gaudy. It's, oh my God. But yeah, it fits you know, the 
it fits the achievement. It's a long, strange trip. What better thing says long, strange <laughs> trip than flying around on a fuchsia drake? I mean, come That's on. exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I can disagree with that. What I'm thinking is, yeah, strange, long trip. Give me something that I'll be proud and be able to say, I busted my ass. It, you know, humping other bunnies, doing the hollowed halls, doing all this shit just so that I could get this. It was a pain in the ass. All I got was chocolates out of the goddamn eggs and all of this bullshit. But look at how fucking cool this is. No, it's purple and it's ugly. So, no, I I disagree. It's our visible shame for having spent that much time in the game. I will proudly wear my visible shame. Thank you. You know what? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a visible shame because you've gotten these things called achievements and you've achieved nothing because you've been sitting on your ass in front of a computer screen for like two years of your life in order to get this mount. Wholly counterproductive to what we're actually doing here. Moving on with the news. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Okay, there's not much left. I'll, I'll breeze right through it. Um, let's see. There's another patch coming out. Patch 3.2.2a. I mean, they're just going to get way too long with this damn thing to fix a bunch of mistakes that they made. Mac users were crashing constantly, having issues with ATI, blah, blah, blah. Um, the forum people who are the notorious stereotypes of a WoW player, which is why WoW players are kind of shunned for the most part in the general community, have scared off Ghostcrawler and he came back. It's like he made this big emotional, oh, you know, cry for me, please. You guys are so, you know, fucking nasty and nobody listens to me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to post in the forums anymore. And then a bunch of fanboys came out and posted how much they loved him. And now, oh, hey, I'm back. But I'm only going to comment on the things that I want to comment on, yada, yada, whatever. Well, actually, freaking... hold on. If you look at the first post that was made for that, he did not say he's gone for good. He just said that he was going to be checking just periodically, not everything like he was before. Well, he said it was me checking periodically, but he said that, you know, like I think the last line in that exact quote was, if my presence, as I said when I first got here, if my presence on these forums turns out to be doing more harm than good, then I just won't post anymore. So obviously that's insinuating that, you know, the only thing that he's, the only role he was filling was flame bait for the most part. And looking at a lot of the blue posts that are coming out in the past month and a half, that's pretty much all it was. I mean, whenever somebody from the dev from the uh, the devs said anything at all just it became a complete and utter shitstorm on the forums yeah but that's okay now i'm i'm not going to make it seem as if i'm taking sides here one way or another however if if i do have to lean one way i would actually support ghost crawler more than you apparently are which is going to make for an interesting discussion here because Reading through the forums, and now see, I've actually done forum admins. I did it for over 10 years, and I only just stopped maybe about a year ago, if that. And it's a pain in the ass. It is a pain in the ass like nobody's business. And I cannot even compare that to what they do with the forum admins for WoW. I mean, really, the community is the size of a small country, for Christ's sakes. And the loudest ones are the ones that do nothing but bitch and complain. And what I found was that you have here a dev who's actually willing to take time out of his schedule to liaison with the community 
and give you yeah and give Mm -hmm. you some information that you otherwise would not be privy to and actually have the chance to effectuate change within the game if you can present it in such a manner that it actually makes sense and that that's how it should be done not just qqing but actually giving constructive reasoning for different things so you had an ear to a dev basically and what you got what what happened is you had again the 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 crybaby community that all they do is bitch and complain and nothing's ever good enough and everybody else always needs to be nerfed and their class needs to be buffed and then Mm -hmm. finally and this is not the first time we've seen this with a blue either where they've said you know hands up i've had it that's enough i i can't do this anymore and frankly i'm surprised they last as long as they do and i will actually give him credit that he handled this very well he handled it very professionally and was not going in and saying i've had it with you fucks i'm out of here which to be honest is what i would have done he went in and said Uh if and in the way he presented it too where and he said if my presence does more harm than good then it's time to go that's a good business move and to be honest it got to that point because all the people who suddenly knew that yes they've got the ear of a dev means that they can attack that one person and and to the point of being on a personal level too no no longer just about the game so when he came back and said i'll still be trolling the 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 forums and i'll reply to the ones that i want to per se that's actually showed some class to me where it wasn't the child stomping out of a room saying i'm not playing with you guys anymore and then stomping off and then coming back later with you know saying well can i play with you guys no it was more about understanding that he still has to cater to the community because the community is the one that are they're the ones paying the bills and this is something that i think it's gotten to the point where the community now sees this as somewhat mandatory. We need the ear of a dev. If it's not going to be Ghostcrawler, it better damn well be somebody else. Well, well no, see. D- d- oh, go ahead, go ahead, Joe. I was going to say that that's been going on forever. And like Dex just pointed out, look at look at Ciseric. Um, You get these people that were, have been driven off the forums, driven off the community, basically as liaisons, just blown completely away because of people that are just, yep, Ciseric, Kidium, they're just getting bombarded and bombarded and attacked and they're trying to do something nice and they're trying to do something by giving us a, an ear or a pulse into the to the world that we love and we play in and then just get it run off i give ghost crawler quite a bit of credit because being able to come back after that being able to handle it as professionally as he did absolutely i mean he's a class act he well, didn't no, throw i'm, I'm not no, I'm, so, I'm trying to throw it I'm not trying to discredit Ghost Crawl. I'm not oh, saying. Oh, you were. I guess, you were. You no, were. We all picked up on it. Off, we all picked up on this it. Is, this is what I'm trying You're to kicked say, off. Right? I'm cutting you off right now. No, just hear me out here. Listen up. This is what I'm thinking. You've, you said it yourself. It's a pain in the ass job, and it's a thankless job. It really is. I mean, for, for every one fan that actually does, like you and I and, and Joe, appreciate what they're doing and just, you know, acknowledges the fact that, holy crap, you know, we actually have direct contact with a game developer. Somebody who has direct, you know, like first line contact with what we are playing and they have perfect influence over it. That's something that you should be thankful for. Personally, what I believe you should have done is not posted a single damn thing, gone into a meeting and just finally done what Blizzard should have been doing since the very get go. And it's just people who do nothing but troll, flaming, all that bull crap, all the whining crybaby stuff. You give them a temp ban. You give them a temp ban after temporary ban after temporary ban. You just, you. 
get them out of the way because ultimately that's just that that's the that's the final goal isn't it that that's the final result of what's going to happen if they just keep pushing and pushing it's just you never see it ever happen i think the problem with that is that you're then hiring a lot more staff to 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 troll the boards is all you're doing and instead of just letting it to be the wild west free for all which it pretty much is already Oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. It is it is the the Wild West free for all on those forums right now. Yeah. So again, it's a it's I think that it's easy to look at it from our perspective looking in and saying you guys need to get a handle on this forum. I think it'd be way different to actually be forums admin for something that large and unruly to say we need a wider Earp here to bring justice because it is ridiculous. So moving away from that, though, actually, if that was the, the, the end of the breaking news, we may as well go right into the actual wow news for the p- past couple of weeks, which the biggest of which would have been both the Brewfest and the patch 3.2.2. Mm-hmm. So let's tackle the Brewfest first. I don't know how much you guys did. Joe, how much did you do of it? I am now Brewmaster Loader. Quite impressive. <laughs> yeah, did you I've, get uh, any of the mounts though i have both i've had the i had the kodo and the the ram from last year my uh my guildies if any of them are listening uh were very kind enough last year to run me through 123 dire brew summons until i got Jesus. both that's insane because i wanted my damn kodo and i got my damn kodo uh but yeah i've i've completed all the brew fest uh i am now running around with um my guys helping them out whenever I can. And uh, thank you. Thank you. I love my Kodo. <laughs> Very nice. Ricky, you? Um, you know, I haven't done a single solitary thing in Brewfest, to be honest with you. I've, I've, my time has been monopolized by Ion or this stuff. Well, actually, I'm not that much. I'm kind of in between you guys because I did some of it. And yet, see, I, I'm finding it to be exactly the same as most of the, um, the, the holiday things where in personally i don't have the patience for them i i don't find that they are fun in the least i'm trying to rack my brains thinking of a holiday event that i actually thought was fun and i can't think of one to be honest i really can't and this is no different when you're doing the same thing over and over again it's really not i it's not fun to me so to be able to i would love to get the two mounts that being said i'm actually not working on the mount achievement for the um the druid that's my main now so i really don't care that much i'd like to have them but i don't care all of the other stuff that you can buy the pets and everything else eh, don't really care as much either the outfit is i really that's just bag space which i don't have so i don't care about that so and i'm not actually working towards the what a strange year it's been on this tune i was working on it before on my shaman but again since i'm playing the druid now that's not a concern so frankly i'm really not I, I didn't enjoy the quests either. I was doing the quests and it was like, this is just not fun. I don't want to do it tomorrow. And so I really didn't do a lot of it. But again, going back to, I think they need to do something to to really shake up their holiday events. I, I Making your, 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 your players have to do the same thing over and over and over again. And it's really not that exciting. I mean, some of these quests, you read them, it didn't take a long time for them to write this shit up. This is pretty simple. Like, this was on the back of a napkin over a couple of drinks. Well, I agree. No, go ahead, Joe. 
I, I agree, especially when you compare it to other games and other games' holiday events. Um, I mean, I remember going back as far as City of Heroes Halloween. We went trick-or-treating door-to-door. I mean, how many MMOs let you go trick-or-treating and then, you know, beat the shit out of villains that pop out? I mean, it was exciting. It was different. It wasn't running around and sitting there humping bunnies. It wasn't sitting there in front of the uh, Scarlet Monastery graveyard entrance getting no more instances cannot be launched or you have entered too many instances in a massive crowd with 9,000 other people constantly exactly. trying to get the stupid-ass spawn. I mean that's that's just – come on, man. You could do that all over the world. I mean you put the stupid – you know, um, the, the commenters that tell you about the holidays all over the world, so why can't they spawn NPCs that are actually part of the holiday around the world? Yeah, there's a lot that they can do, and I, I've always felt that the holiday events were, again, just tacked on and not enough attention was paid to them. It would be nice if they did a little bit more work with that. Moving on to the patch 3.2.2, though. Now, that was a little interesting. That sucker came out on Tuesday, the same day as Aeon's release, which I know that people have said there's no chance in hell that WoW could be afraid of another release and that they wouldn't oh, really? release it early. That being said, we're seeing a lot more things in WoW wherein they're changing things up a lot more because they do have to be concerned with other games. And I don't think, I think it'd be naive to think that they weren't concerned about Aeon. Ion. That's not to say that they are afraid that it's going to take all of their base, not even a majority of their player base. But to say that it could take some, that has an impact on their capital, which is a big deal. So whether or not 3.2.2 was released early or not, it sure was a clusterfuck, was it not, boys? On some yeah. servers, absolutely. On some servers, there was lag that was so absolutely horrible that you cast an instant cast spell and 10 seconds later it hits. Um, there are other servers that didn't get it nearly as bad. Um, I will say that thankfully Zul'jin, knock on wood, um, wasn't too terrible. We were still able to, to raid and, and enjoy our content and go and pop a Nixia straight in the face. Um, but I've heard horror stories of other, other servers where people couldn't log in. Uh, people were having trouble getting kicked out in the middle of fights. Uh, lag was just absolutely unbearable, and you gotta you gotta take that into account too. They probably did push it out because of Aeon's release, because well, it's smart. It's smart business to try to get something out there to compete with your competitor's release. Um, what I feel about it is, I think it was still a good patch. I just think they rushed it. I think they pushed it out a little bit too early. The thing is, too, it's hard to tell whether or not it was early, even for them, simply because. This is not unheard of. Really, you look through WoW's history, many patch days have been completely unplayable. In fact, day after patch day and day after day after patch day are near unplayable. So it's kind of hard to point to it as being directly attributable to Aeon's release. Ion's release. I'm going to be doing that all fucking night. Ion, Aeon. Yeah. I, you know what? It's, it's pronounced <laughs> Ion, but I still say Aeon. I really don't care. Because you'll see me, like at the beginning, I said Ion. And later on down this podcast when I'm doing my little bit, it's I'm going to be saying Aeon. It's who, who cares? If they if they didn't want it to be pronounced Aeon, they shouldn't have put an A in front of it. Okay. <laughs> all right. I feel better. So you actually did go and do the, uh, the Anexia. How did that feel? It felt great, I'll be honest. It felt really good to go in there with uh, my new team of raiders and uh, pop some old content in the face. And it was very nostalgic. It was a lot of fun. Did the guys that you go with, had they done it before? Some of them had. Some of them have never set foot in there. Um, some of them had set foot in there as an 80 
uh, to try to farm her for cash before they nerfed her cash drops, but nobody really experienced the fight in its hectic glory. Um, the deep breaths, the fears that you couldn't break, and having to deal with it. And it was an interesting experience to hear people comment or send tells to me like, holy shit, what just happened? Why the hell am I getting swamped by 80 whelps? Why is my face ripped <laughs> off? And it was just, it was fun. It, it was good, and it was it was just a good time. And yes, it's a short raid. Yes, it's a small raid, but it's awesome. I, I thought it was great. I think it's a great little, great little thing. See, if you're in a group, whether it's Pug or your guild, that has that kind of patience and they, they think it's funny and great when the, the people who've never done it are getting their ass handed to them by her, then yeah, that's great. I'm assuming, however, there's going to be a lot of Pugs where people are going to be looking down on the people who've never done it and bitching about them. Yeah, but tell me a game that that doesn't happen. Tell me an instance or anything where somebody where you've been playing the game for so long and that doesn't happen. Good I point. Mean, a lot of us have been around. A lot of us have been around since the beginning. I've been around since closed beta. I know you've been around. I think since open beta. I mean, you yeah. know, it's it's going to happen. You're going to have those people that are elitist jerks. You're going to have those people that look down at their nose at other players. But then you're going to have pugs that I've been part of, where. I've seen people walk them through, and I will say that my server is fantastic for pugs, and it really does give you a sense of community, because I see people that, yeah, I see the people that go STFU, go die in a fire, you don't know this fight, go die, but I also see the people that take the time and will walk you through a fight, will sit there and say, hey, you're doing great, or are you having a good time, or what's going on, so, yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Know. Also, this week we got um, a little bit of lore handed to us for Cataclysm, as well as some game design for Cataclysm. There were a couple of different sites were posting different things in terms of the lore that has been getting leaked out for Cataclysm. Most of it being for the the Worgans, of course, which is who everybody's the most excited about. And so, a lot of information was handed out in terms of the starting five levels, the starter zone for the Worgen. Now, I don't know if you guys checked this out yet. Oh, yes. oh, yeah. Yeah, I checked it out at BlizzCon, and it was just, it was elaborated more with these with these uh, news breaks and whatnot, these press releases. They're yeah. really making very good use of the phasing technology. And so we're going to be seeing a lot of things where the change that you're seeing is not just you've completed a quest and here's your reward, but... Uh, as you're progressing, like the, the, your area is being ripped apart. That's pretty goddamn cool. Yeah, it is. The, this, the whole bit with the whole war again, I'm not, not going to go into spoilers or whatnot, but the way that you... Oh, no, no, spoiler. One, no, no, spoiler uh, ahead. Was... Everybody should know that by now, if you're listening to the podcast, there's bound to be spoilers oh, okay. throughout, okay. so knock yourself out. All right, cool. So anyway, when you start off from levels one through five, you're starting off, you're apparently as a human or whatnot, and you're fighting off... Um, you're you're basically fighting off these worgen and you're killing them off and you you, you know Gilneas is being in you know, Gilneas whatever is being invaded for the most part later on you find out that the worgen that you've been killing and fighting off have been your own family and your own friends and children and whatnot that have just been turned and then the last thing that you see before it phases and it pans you to where we picked up at BlizzCon was you turning into a worgen and fighting with you know and, and attacking this NPC buddy of yours next thing you know you wake up and you're in these like you know these stocks like the wooden stocks you know where your hands and your head are clamped and you know then that whole thing progresses afterwards but I really really like what they're doing with the Worgen stuff Cataclysm actually is going to bring me back 
wholeheartedly with 100% to WoW just for that in particular. The Goblin one's really not that bad either. I, I don't want to knock it. I know that you're you're big into the Worgen thing just like me. We got this whole wolf-dog thing going on. But um, hands down, the Goblin one is really, really, really interesting what happens for the first couple of levels there. And Joe, did you I take it out with- as well? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I've been following this since I got to sit down at BlizzCon and get my hands on the Worgen and, and Goblins and, and play around with it. Um, I've been reading everything that's been released, and you could see like the stuff that's been released for the 1 to 5 levels, it's stuff that they wanted to tell us at the con. They were sitting there itching to tell us, they just couldn't. And I'm excited. I'm really happy with the way they're working the lore. I'm really happy uh, with the way they're working the phasing technology to deliver the lore. And I like the fact that they're following a, a basic tenet of any game design, show, don't tell. And that's huge because your actions and those visuals will speak louder than any wall of text they can possibly put out there. And that's what they're doing. And I think that's amazing that they're finally starting to do that more and more and more. Well, the thing too is that, and and, and I mean, this is coming from somebody who actually writes. I'm, I'm all about, you know, the huge written lore that the, the, I, 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 I live off of that stuff. However, in the terms of a game, you don't want that because it doesn't fit into the feel of the game. It's the, it, it, exactly like you were saying, the show don't tell, where you better be able to convey what it is that you want to say by other means. That still means there's a story there. It's just there's a lot less text and, and speak about it. And something that, like, when you look at the um, all of the phasing quests for the introduction to the Death Knights, as much as I hate the bastards, those introductory quests are absolutely fantastic. And it's not about reading walls of text. Everything that you need to know, everything you need to learn, you get it from being a part of that game. Well, and I that's one of the things I touched on in, in one of my uh, my articles about Cataclysm over on Maticus. Um, when you did the Death Knight starting area, even if you hated the bastards, even if you never wanted to touch a Death Knight, Doing the starting area immersed you into that character, immersed you into the story of the evolution of that character. Um, even if it was just for those those introductory levels, it was amazing. And they're doing the exact same thing with both the Goblin and the Worgen. And that's big because now they're, they're, they're doing more things to invest you in your character. They're doing more things to, to make you – to draw you in without having to sit there and read through ten different books just to know what's going on. And all of this, too, thanks to the a bug fix, which is what phasing is. That was an interesting thing that came out of the interview with the uh, the world, what is he, lead world designer for WoW, Alex, and I'm going to butcher this last name, Afra Siabi? That was close. Afra that was close. Okay, good enough. So we're in, he gave an interview with uh, Gamma Sutra, and it's very interesting to hear what he says about... Um, the different technology behind what they're doing and how the phasing was actually just a bug fix for a quest in, where was that? Uh, Blade's Edge, I think he said, for Outlands. And so then they used that technology when they wanted to do different things with uh, the Wrath of the Lich King expansion, which is kind of cool. Well, I would I agree. I think it's really interesting, especially in that aspect, to see how something as minor as a bug fix turned into 
a major revolution in MMO gaming, essentially. And it's going to take something that we need, which is what the gaming community has been clamoring for so long, which is something that I've been posting about for for quite a while now, where we want consequences to our actions. And that pertains to any of the questing that we're doing as well. That's the one thing that helps you get really bonded with the character that you're playing when you feel that whatever choices you're making have an impact. Now, granted, with the Death Knight quest, you don't really have a choice. You're doing them and that's that. But there's other games that are going to be coming out which are going to give you choices. Actually, I'm going to touch on one that was at the Tokyo Game Show. That's It's interesting when they're doing things that at least it immerses you more into your character and makes you feel much closer to them than just, you know, the character design would have done in terms of, you know, creating your character. Because really, in WoW, you don't get any of that except for when you're doing the Death Knight at the moment. Well, and I think that's changing. I think that they're they're moving it into that and i think after the cataclysm and i I think we're going to see that for your gnomes and your torrent you're going to see this sort of storytelling through visual this sort of presentation of the information in in a way that that makes us happier to do it i guess you would say but see that's something that we've always wanted at least what i've always wanted as a gamer was when i got into this mmo world i wanted a growing living breathing progressive world you know where like if there was a quest event that involved a massive explosion that created a crater i want to come back 20 levels later and still see that crater you know exactly that's what i really like about this phasing i want them to hopefully i don't know if they will it's all like i said you know it's like we all know before it's all production costs you know we could they could focus on doing all this cataclysm stuff and whatnot and never revisit like Freaking Red Ridge, Westfall, it's trivial as hell, but how long have they been building that inn? How long have they been repairing <laughs> that freaking bridge? You know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is cool. You know, if you do a quest to take part in repairing a bridge, you know, when you're done, you kind of want to see the freaking thing repaired, don't you? It'll just immerse you deeper, like what, you know, like what Roger was saying about the Death Knight stuff. Maybe you didn't want to play a Death Knight, but you should have done yourself the favor and at least got immersed into the whole feeling of that character. They did a really, really, really solid job with that. Yeah, looking forward to seeing it with the two new races, definitely. And in so much as I really don't want to be playing a goblin, I will definitely play through those first starter quests just to be able to experience that. I am looking forward to it. Uh, moving on from there, we're going to touch on Champions Online. Just a little bit of news from that. It was interesting to note that the game has only been out several weeks, and already people are claiming that all the content has been done by some of the players. Joe, what do you got to say about that? Well, here's the thing. After a week, a week and some change of trolling forums and websites and blogs everywhere, yeah, there's people that are claiming they beat the game. Uh, there are people that are posting screenshots saying that they've reached every alkalade. Um, but I'll be perfectly honest. I don't buy it. The game has enough alkalades in it that you may be able to beat that main storyline and you may be able to go to the end of it. Great. Go for it. There's always going to be those people that push for the the end of the content, that push to get through the content as quick as they can in any game. You see it in WoW. You're going to start seeing it in Aeon. You're going to start seeing it in every MMO out there. There are people who just push for the end. They skip all the little things that make the game so awesome. Um, there, I'm seeing these people that are not talking about all the little little things that you find along the way, all the side quests, all the things that help you develop your character. These people aren't really talking about things like the nemesis system. These people are just talking about, I beat every major thing in the game and that's it. Um, now on that same front, that's great. They may have said that they beat the game, but they're already putting out new content. Um, one of the things that they've already started to do is uh, the next content release, which is called Blood Moon. Um, Blood Moon is going to be a Halloween-ish event. 
taking over the a villain that's a necromancer that is able to raise superheroes from the dead, hordes of werewolves that when you get bitten, you have the chance to be turning into one, as well as new power sets and all sorts of other things that they're adding into the game. They're putting more content in for the people that want it, and they're doing it really quickly. I mean, the game just came out, and they're already doing a content release. That's awesome to me because it shows that they're listening to the community, they're, they're trying to continue the story, and they're doing it in a way that, that very much suits the media. It's a comic book game. It's a superhero game. They're doing it episodically like a comic book. And so those people that have beat the game, yes, there are people that have said that they've beat all the content. Good for them. But for the rest of us that are enjoying every little quest, every little story, everything else, keep it coming. Okay, well, if they are coming out with uh, with episodic content that's not something that i'd read yet then that is good because then of course you're not beating everything right away i mean if you're looking at the game in terms of again say a wow or whatever we're in it's going to be a while before you're going to see any new content then it would certainly be a problem if they've already got the content created already which obviously they would have to and be working quite far back then you can expect to see quite a bit more um, perhaps maybe again more holiday content kind of thing which would be good well and that's the thing too is they, they learned from city heroes i have to say city heroes there was a point in time where you could be the game there was no content on the horizon there was nothing new and then they started releasing these content updates periodically they started doing them more regularly and they noticed that the player base didn't go away people were actually coming back to the game people were going through and, and enjoying themselves again to a certain point and they're taking that and i think they're taking it to the next level here because yeah i want my episodic releases i want things that feel sort of serialish and i know that they have a ton of content planned i know they have a ton of story planned because this has been in the works for a very long time they also have um, a unique thing to them that most other mmos don't have champions is a tabletop role-playing game it's pen and paper and if anybody's ever played it there is a ton of stuff there that they can draw from. There's a ton of villains in those books. There's a ton of source they can pull from and put into the game. So not only are they going from lore that's already been established in the role-playing game and making their own, but they have tons of stuff to pull from. And I think they can keep them going for a long time. Well, that's good. That is good. I, I am still interested in trying it out. I am not interested in forking down 60 bucks to try it out because my 60 went to Aeon and I might not have put it down right away had I known what was coming up. <laughs> but we're going to touch on that more in a moment. We're going to touch a little bit on the Tokyo Game Show, which was from the 24th to the 27th. I don't know how much of it you guys took in. I took in some videos that were featured. Um, my favorites were, and then we'll go to you guys, see what you liked. I did like the Dante's Inferno, the Lust debut, which talked about that ring hell. And what I really liked, again, which is what I touched on earlier, was the choices and how they have an impact on the outcome. Because what they did with the video is they showed side by side whether you chose to kill somebody or let them ascend if there was... Um, absolving them of their sins kind of thing, or if you or if you kill them, and what the impact then had on your progression from then on. And I found that somewhat interesting. It's something that I wish they put in a lot more games. I don't know if you guys, either of you watched that that video. Yeah, I, I've been following Dante's Inferno since it was first announced um, and following the little tidbits and things like that. And I'm impressed. I really am looking forward to this game. I like the absolution versus versus killing 
system because it lets you have an impact on the story and how the game unfolds. It lets you have a direct influence on how your character affects the world. And you see all that in games like, um, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank here. Fable 2 did um, it. That's what it was. I was looking for Fable, Fable hmm. 2. Um, but Fable and Fable 2, there was consequences to your actions. It made you either a villain or a hero and you were going through it and everything you did had an effect on what happened around you. And I like to see them exploring this in games a little more in depth. And this also appeals to me because I'm a huge nerd when it comes to reading. And Paradiso, Purgatorio, and Inferno are favorites of mine. And seeing it put into a game as action-y as it is, that's pretty cool. And just seeing, I don't know, just seeing it come to life. Yeah, no, very, very cool. It's the same thing that I'm finding with the the new Assassin's Creed that's going to be coming out as well. I the 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 new trailer showed off a lot more of the the story behind it and whatnot. And the more I'm seeing of it, the more I really do want to play it. It it looks fantastic. Another one that I was checking out was the Mass Effect Two trailer, which for again for a shooter, they're putting in enough story to make it interesting. And it is it does look certainly like something that I'm going to want to play. The Last Guard. Guardian trailer did not have that much new I found really it I I I am interested in playing the game It, it does look like it'll have an interesting story as well but this trailer did not bring anything new to me. The, of course, the biggest trailer and the, the longest one I would hazard to say was the Final Fantasy 13 trailer that was a whopping seven minutes long. It's only in Japanese, of course, but if you watch it in HD, holy crap in hell does it ever look epic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, you know, we were saying in the pre-show countdown, I mean, it looks incredible, but there has not been a single solitary Final Fantasy trailer that has come out in the past, uh, I don't know, 10 years that has not blown me away. They all blow me away. They're all freaking amazing trailers. Then you play the game, and then comes the letdown. See, that's yeah. I, I play them, and I don't mind them, but I'm not a huge fanatic about them however my kids absolutely adore it so i don't know if it's a a generational thing more so but there's a lot of things that i won't excuse in a game that they will let slide yeah there's one thing i did want to ask you though um the last guardian i just want to make sure that i'm totally clear on this and the last guardian that's supposed to be the spiritual successor to uh shadow the colossus right i don't know am am i right on that one or i don't know wrong that's that's the one that um, it's game is a little boy and then it's a big giant. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. It Griffin is. Thing. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, that's supposed to be yeah, because I never played the Ico games, but the whole story of it is just I've done everything I can. I've read every wiki I can to try to figure out the whole storyline because I played Shadow of the Colossus and that game was the most freaking amazing ass thing I've ever played on a console in a long time. An amazing story, very enraptured, fun as hell to play. And I can only imagine that, well, I can only hope that The Last Guardian is going to be something as good like that. I actually never played Shadow of Colossus. It's one of those games that's basically been on my two playlists for as long as it's been out. But it's not, I I still haven't played it. I am going to have to actually sit down and and, and motor my way through just because it is supposed to be that that amazing experience. It is. It, the thing is, it's a very simplistic game. Like, you don't have inventories, you don't have any of that crap. You have you have your sword, you have a bow, you have your horse. The end. That's it. That That's the entire game for the most part. And you just gotta, you know, go do whatever it is that you have to do. I'm not gonna spoil it for you, but it's just, it's a very, 
they cut away all the bullcrap with all the you know the the excessive baggage all the fluff they throw onto it and they just focus very importantly on the emotion on the story and on just the events and the action it's a lot of fun very very cool game i've played through it maybe five times well i will have to give it a shot joe did you see anything that you liked at the tokyo game show Honestly, my main focus, and uh, I'm ashamed to admit this, is Final Fantasy and Dante's Inferno. Those are the things that caught my attention and kept me there. Um, I read through a bunch of the other stuff, but nothing really caught me nearly as much as those two did. Okay. We're actually going to skip from there and finally hit on Ion News. Because it's been... (laughs) We we got to do this. We got to do this. So... All right, all right. I'm debating whether I should get another drink before we start, or we should just dive into this. I'm How about thinking because it's going to be. We take a five, I think we take a five minute. Go grab our beers, I, or wine, oh, and mm, lambast this thing. Because there's angst. There's so much angst in me. <laughs> it's it's Listen. it's it's oh. Okay, we'll take <laughs> Listen, a break. We'll be. <laughs> All right, we're, five. we're gonna take five refiller drinks and come back for both Aeon News as well as a feature from Enrique on Aeon in terms of an RP primer to get you ready. Because when the game works, it is good. We'll be back in five. <laughs> the world of Atreya was created by the god Aeon as a paradise where all could live in his abundance. And at the center of the world, He created a tower to house his essence, the magical substance we call Aether. The first of Ion's creatures were the Drakan, whom he created to rule the others. But where once they had governed, they now chose to enslave, taking on new powers and a new name, Valar. Their lords rose in rebellion against Ion. The human race opposed the Balar, but human strength and numbers were not enough to overcome them. Ion imbued certain humans with Aether, twelve Empyrean lords to rule the human race, and a host of immortal winged devas. But to prevail against such a foe is no easy task, even for these great warriors. And so the war continued for a thousand years. Israfel, an Empyrean lord, wanted to propose peace to the dragon lords of the Balar. Many disagreed with him, and there were heated debates in the lords' councils. But when Lady Ariel joined in solidarity, many others followed. They lowered the etheric field that protected them from attack, and the Balar delegation arrived at the tower. In an instant, tragedy struck. Lord Ritra fell. Panic gripped the assembly. Who had attacked first? No one could say. All thoughts of peace abandoned. The war began anew as Lord Phrygion launched a bolt of fire toward Ion's tower. Without the protection of the etheric field, the tower broke apart under the Balar attack. Knowing the danger to humanity in the world, Lady Seal and Lord Israfel rushed to reset the field. Sacrificing themselves, they averted the complete destruction of Atreya, but not in time to prevent a cataclysm that shattered the world into pieces. 
And so the stage was set for another war that would rule the lives of devas and humans for centuries to come. We're back and we are going to be touching on Ion. Now, first, what we're going to do is we're going to touch a little bit on the news and then we'll progress from there in terms of story-wise and whatnot. In terms of news, I call this one of the biggest clusterfucks <clears throat> of a launch in a very, very long time. The game has been unplayable, not because it's unplayable if you can actually log in so much as you can't fucking log in. The servers are always full. You're looking at minimum couple of hour queue time average queue time which they've point blank said the average queue time has been three hours that's an average which means that for the times when you're only looking at an hour or so there are somebody else trying to log on to another realm some of them have taken up to nine hours the queue is nine hours long nine nine hours for a queue they launched with 12 <laughs> north american realms servers and because of the faction balancing because it is so important to them to make sure that there's no more than a two percent difference between factions which is always in favor of the asmodians your Asmodian race is locked down so fast that you better be one of the first ones to create a tune on that realm. The head start was a joke. The people who actually chose to support NCSoft and, oh man, I'm getting into it here. <laughs> the people no, who no, actually just, chose to support this company because they had faith in the game and had faith in their products, having often played other of their games before, were shot, pissed on, crapped on, and then pinched. It was bad, okay? It, 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 it did not matter that you chose to support them. You meant nothing to them. Instead of creating more servers so that there'd be less of a lag, they thought that would be a problem and create a ghost land later on when the initial rush wore off. So instead of offering free transfers to people... Um, they looked at it as, no, they don't want to make that investment of putting those servers out. So you had monstrous queues. And this is in the Head Start, where the Head Start was, to be very honest here too, that was a selling feature. That wasn't just a, oh, here's a little bonus. No, 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 no. That was a selling feature. You're, if you're not going to deliver on that, that's fraud. Same as when they weren't giving us our, our 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 items, our bonus items as well at the beginning. There's a lot of things here. It's been unplayable some days. Some people say that it's all right once you're in, if you're willing to wait for it. However, we've all experienced the incredible lag on the servers when you are finally able to get into them and the rubber banding effect rubber where you snapped yes. right back i rubber banded clear across a goddamn zone before i finally got disconnected and then tossed back into a three-hour queue that is ridiculous the and then Go ahead. Well, I I got I got to tell you the quote of the day. The best thing I've ever read ever was there was a, a group of people 
on during the head start like the night before launch and nobody could cross this fucking bridge we were yelling we were screaming in chat we were just trying we were determined as hell to cross this stupid bridge one of us made it one foot to the other side and we rubber banded all the way back and then we got booted because of server crash but it was quite possibly the most hilarious thing i've ever experienced in my life it was just you were so pissed that you were laughing oh it's you have to like i mean I ha- I've waited in queue for two hours only to have the game client crash on me. The, or not the game client, the NC Soft launcher crash on me. And then be put back in a queue that's four hours long. And now when we're saying these amounts of times, two, two hours, three hours, four hours, excuse me, let's be very honest here. That's what it's telling you. I was in a queue yesterday when I was talking to you, Enrique, that mm-hmm. said 39 minutes. No, 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 no. I was in queue a good 50, if not an hour long, 50 minutes, if not an hour long before I finally got in. That queue time means jack shit. So what's happening is that you're waiting around for fucking ever. And then it's not even a certainty that you're going to be able to get into the game. And even then, once you're in the game, what's happening is that the goddamn game client is crashing. This bullshit of saying we're only going to allow X amount of people per server so that the people who are on have a good gaming experience is bullshit on a multitude of layers. But the most important of them is the fact that you're not getting a good gaming experience and the client will crash and you will be shoved back into a three hour queue. Now, my other thing about that is I've had people saying, including yourself, that, well, once you're in, you are getting a good experience, which I will hand it. Some realms aren't as bad as others. The one that we chose, <laughs> sorry, the one that you chose Listen, the one is that Nick not that good. Okay. It's a pain in the ass. That being said, I'm not going to bitch and whine that somebody couldn't follow a plan because of a a simple name. Anyways, moving on from that. Such a crybaby. Moving on from that. The fact is, this attitude of saying, we want to make it so that the people who are on are having the best experience possible is a load of fucking bullshit like this example that they use of the roller coaster you wait in line and not everybody can go on the roller coaster at the same time is shit we did not pay for a roller coaster we paid for a service in much the same way that we pay for our television it better damn well be available when i want to watch the show that i want to watch this is something that i wrote about on for the lore extensively when i was bitching and complaining the thing is is that yeah, because you're not now. They're telling this is this is mild. <laughs> this is dude. You should have seen me. I apologize to everyone in Twitter that I bitched about that night. I bitched to that night that I'd had it. I'd had it. You're paying for a service, and they were. I got the impression from them. Really got the impression that they did not give a rat's ass. And that's something that you hear a lot more when you're talking about people in terms of the pay model in Korea. Like this game was out for a year in Korea, so you'd expect that it's working. But the pay model there is you pay as you play. So they don't care. It's it's they want to make sure it's working so that you can play and pay. Here, you're paying. 
doesn't matter if it's up or down, you're paying. So there's a lot less need to rush to get things working. And that's really how it felt. And this attitude from some of these Twitter people, Twitter Aeon people, oh my fucking God, when somebody says, we're going to put a server up tomorrow and we're crossing our fingers, it's going to help. What the fuck is crossing your fingers? No, 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 no. I want fucking spreadsheets. <laughs> I want you to know what you're talking about. There's got to be someone there that knows what they're talking about, what's needed. I don't want somebody crossing their goddamn fingers and toes and say, I hope this works. I'm going to make a prayer tonight and hope it. No, no. Fucking fix this. I'm paying for this to work. It's not working. The f uh, how much simpler can it be? And it's not just me. Like there's masses of people so basically they've shot themselves in the foot they didn't have enough faith in their game to put enough realms to accommodate all the people i mean we're talking about four hundred thousand pre-sales 12 north american realms so they didn't think enough of their game to give us the realms and so they shot themselves in the foot and now they're going to be losing clients okay i'm having a drink enrique it's all yours Okay, are you done now? You, you calm yeah, down? go ahead. Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, the head start was a selling point, like you said, hands down. I mean, I was there with you in the trenches, bitching about this because it really was one of those situations. I even did a, in my YouTube videos, my little guide videos. I put one out saying, "Welcome to the head start, where you're gonna wait for four hours. I don't have any fucking footage for you guys. Sorry, because people were spamming my inbox with like death threats because I wasn't making any more Ion videos. However. The queue times, they suck. There is no excuse for it, period. End the discussion. There is no more... There, there's no no reason. There's nothing in the world that justifies the queues as long as they were, the caps that they had put on the servers, or the just the minor amount of servers they put on, the very limited amount of servers they did. As a matter of fact, one of the things I was going to mention in the news, we kind of ran short, was that they launched on Friday a new West Coast time zone server, and they also launched just i think last night two european servers because the europeans the europeans were the ones who were waiting like nine ten hours man you you and me we had a fucking sweet we're there for an hour and a half oh shit i would kill for an hour and a half hour and a half, half? Other guys doing 10. i got oh, an hour and a half once or twice it was uh, I'm, okay i'm shutting up go ahead Go ahead, sorry. No, it's, it's okay. You can vent, man. You can vent. I know Joe is like losing his shit here. Beer's pouring out of his nose laughing over there. All I know is that your guy's pain is fueling me. Go for it. Oh, no, it, it was cool. I mean, it, look, hands down, I will say this much. The people who are just rampant fanboyism, unnecessary. You don't need to do it. The cues shouldn't have happened in the first place. It was a poor launch. It was actually a shitty launch because of the Head Start program. If they would have said, you know, like they said specifically, like, Roger, you, you mentioned it earlier, man. Hey, look, we're going to give you a Head Start program 48 hours before everybody else on the servers so that you can progress. You got on that day 48 hours before. I'm like, oh, shit, man, I'm ready to play. I got to wait in line for four hours after I'm dealing with, you know, a day worth of game crashes and errors and things just not working at all. So that was a failed launch, flat out. It was bumpy. We have the game now. Bumpy? It works perfectly fine now. Don't you start again. Keep drinking. Perfectly fine now? It's, it's perfectly deep fine breath. now. Look, deep, deep breath, our breath. server breath. in particular, all right? Deep our breath. server in particular, all right? Um, Asvel is a very high population deep server. Deep you deep suffer deep now the wait time on Asphalt yes. that you would suffer on Arthas or Lightbringer or anything like that, okay? About. He'd be in a 
No, no, keep going. Sorry. Sorry, did I say something? No, no, keep going. No, no, go ahead. If if you have something to get off your chest. But it's not working. (laughs) It's not working. I mean, they kill the shops, the AFK shops, just so that it's, it's, it's like... It's supposed to reduce the queue time, and maybe it does a little bit. But let's be honest here. I logged on, when was that? That was on Sunday, Sunday or Saturday morning. And I actually got on in the morning. And there was no queue. And I nearly orgasmed. I thought, oh my freaking God, this is fantastic. Don't tell me they finally fixed it. But by 3 o'clock, 3 hour queue. Get in, crash, back in a three-hour queue. They did not fix it. This is not fixed. Now, maybe once they bring several more realms, maybe it'll be all right. And maybe on those new realms, it's all right. But it's definitely not all right on all the existing servers as it stands. No, I'm saying as far as gameplay goes, things are fine. I have not rubber banded once. I haven't crashed once. I've had a couple of you know errors with the queue and whatnot. But other than that, the queues, like I said, is the main problem. They got to bring more servers. And this bullshit of, oh, yeah, we'll open up transfers months from now. No, 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 no. Open up transfers now, flat out, forcefully transfer people if you have to for all I care. But just need to get the queues taken care of because you have a great game that has a lot of potential, but nobody can fucking access it. And that's that's a major major problem. Period. There's just that's that's the the, the the linchpin for this whole discussion is if the cues weren't there, nobody would have a single complaint about this game. And Period. see, that's the other thing too. And which is we're gonna move on from the bitching now, and we're actually gonna move on to the game because and we're gonna touch on it more over time because there is a lot that has to be said about the game. I will be quite honest. If they can fix everything about this game, oh, everything, that's uh, dreaming in technicolor. If they can fix most of the things, if they can fix it so that I can log into the goddamn game, they've got me. It's not without its faults, that's for damn sure. It's not for everyone, that's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. However, it is a damn good game and there's a lot of potential to it, which is what I'm seeing. Now, in terms of RP and lore and whatnot, which is, again, we're all about the story here, that there's a very, very rich lore and backstory to this game. So you wrote something up for that. I'm going to let you take the stage here, Enrique, and give us some more information, and then we'll go from there. All right. Well, yeah, one one idea that I had a while ago was um, I noticed that my wife seems to enjoy playing WoW more when she knew the story of WoW, the lore. And I've always known the lore of WoW for a very long time. And I've been playing it. So like the first RTS game I ever played was Warcraft, you know, so I kind of got into it. Um, I realized that a lot of people getting into a new game, you know, like Ion or, you know, Aeon, whatever, or even Champions Online. And one like, I've never heard of any of Champions on, of Champions, the, the, the role-playing game, you know, the tabletop game. So when our last show happened and Joe went on his spiel about the game, I scoured the internet trying to find more about it because I don't enjoy a game personally, and I can't imagine I'm the only person like this who... Just I, I don't get into it if I'm though if I don't know the story if I don't know the lore of the game if I don't know the general vibe of the world it's just not as much fun for me you know otherwise it's okay it's Team Fortress 2 but I can't play every single game and treat it like Team Fortress you know 2 whatever anyway getting to the point um, I decided to write a um, kind of like an ion um, role play not really necessarily role playing 
but and Ion Primer for people trying to get into it that don't really know the story for the most part. I mean, if you've played other games that have been around a much longer time with their universe and their franchise, you definitely have heard of it at some point. Everybody's heard of Warcraft. Everybody's heard of you know uh, Star Wars. Everybody's heard of Star Trek, etc. So those are easier to get into. Now, when you look at Ion, totally different story, brand new world, and it's being written up. So I wrote a little bit of a primer. It's going to be um, one of many parts. So I'll just go ahead and get started here. Now, as I mentioned before, I believe that a deeper understanding of the game world will always lead to a richer and more compelling gaming experience. Now, this holds especially true in a game like this, like Ion, where the lore is interesting, it's addictive, and it's currently being written as we speak. Now, this primer, like I said, is the first in a few parts. I'm going to share with you all a brief summary of the lore in Ion the Tower of Eternity. I'm going to begin first off with Atreia itself during the PC or pre-cataclysm era. Now, Atreia is a hollow world crafted by the god Ion, which is the namesake of this game. Uh, the world is shaped kind of like an apple core with a northern and a southern half connected in the middle by the Tower of Eternity. Now, this structure was the life source of the world. All the light, energy, and abundance came from you know the god Ion's life essence, which uh, is known as Aether in the game. This Aether is pretty much housed in that tower. Now, similar to your typical biblical beliefs and whatnot, Ion created all the living creatures on Atreia, the humans and sapiens. Sapiens is what the game refers to as humanoid beast men, you know, like the the Mumu, the beaver people that we were talking about earlier, whatever, the, the cat people, the Mao, the crawl, etc., etc. When Ion created Atreia and the humans who would inhabit it, he also put in place these fearsome and powerful guardians known as Drakan. Uh, the Drakan grew in strength and in numbers as they became, you know, just they, they were top of the food chain. They were the apex hunters. They were the chosen of Ion. Ultimately, what happens is, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. They became malevolent, arrogant, started thirsting for power and conquest. Now, it's speculated, according to the lore, that Drakan discovered a source of power beyond Atreia, and five of them rose to position of dominion over the others. Now, these five were called the Dragon Lords. They renamed themselves and their whole race as the Balar. Now, the Balar have evolved into an entirely different looking species, and they set about systematically destroying or enslaving all of life on Atreia, kind of like doing a, you know, a cleansing of the lesser races, as it were. Uh, eventually, they challenged their own progenitor. They went against Ion himself. When he denied them the same powers that he possessed, they turned on him and threatened to destroy the Tower of Eternity. Seeing that his world is being threatened and his children are being bound in servitude or massacred, Ion gathered 12 of the most loyal humans and imbued them with his you know, personal life force, the Aether, transforming them into the beings known as the Empyrean Lords. Now, these are referenced a lot in the game as you play in your quest. Uh, Ion basically charged the Empyrean Lords with bringing down the Balar and restoring peace to Atreia. He then placed something called in, uh, the Etheric Field around the Tower of Eternity. The Balor drew power from the Abyss outside of Atreia, and so Aether is kind of like the primary weakness. It's, it's the light to the dark, as it were. Now, within this field, the humans were able to restore some semblance of normalcy to their lives. Everything beyond the field burned, and the Millennium War, so named because it continued for over a thousand years, raged on. The Empyrean Lords continued to hold off the Balor, who were strong enough to retain control of the outside areas. 
Now, during that time period, some humans realized an innate ability to harness the power of Aether. Those who unlocked special abilities and grew in power became known as Devas. This is something that your character will go through um, from level 9 to level 10. That's when the game really truly opens up. Uh, you become a Deva through a process known as Ascension. Uh, Devas are capable of flight on large angelic wings. It's just uh, they are also immortal demigods who never age and just... You know, they, they cannot necessarily be killed. They, enough damage can be done to their bodies that their spirit will leave, but they will always resurrect at an obelisk where, you know, their essence has been stored. Uh, two of the twelve Empyrean lords served as guardians to the Tower of Eternity, Lord Israfel and Lady Ciel. Lord Israfel came to the conclusion that peace negotiation with the Balor was the only way to end this war. I mean, they were at a stalemate for a thousand years. He believed that the mission that was given to him by their god was not to defeat the Balor, but to just protect Aeon himself, to protect the tower. Among the Empyrean lords, uh, Lord Asfel vehemently opposed this peace, while Lady Ariel firmly supported it. The proposition of peace treaty caused a division between not only the lords, but of the Devas themselves, who fell in line behind either Lord Asfel in opposition to the treaty, or Lord Israfel and Lady Ariel, who were in support of it. Now, you can already see now, this far back in the history, how there's already a division between you know the future Elios and the future Asmodians. Now, during a fateful meeting, the Empyrean Lords Lady Seal finally sided with Lord Israfel in support of the peace treaty. As guardians of the Tower of Eternity, both of them held authority over the Empyrean Lords, and so the treaty was supposed to commence. Now, before long, the peace conference between the Empyrean Lords and the Balor began. The field was lowered to permit the Lord, the Dragon Lords, into the Tower of Eternity. Of course, things went, you know, a little bit rough, and those who opposed the peace treaty assassinated one of the Dragon Lords. Chaos completely erupted. Everything just went, you know, just it, it was complete and utter anarchy. Uh, the battle were attacked in the confusion and shattered and splintered the um, the Tower of Eternity. Now, Lord Israfel directed Lord Asfel and his legions toward the northern base of the tower, while Lady Ciel and Lady Ariel took theirs to the southern end. Both sides worked to hold the tower, but they were not successful, and the tower was shattered and destroyed. Lord Israfel and Lady Ciel sacrificed their lives in this battle, draining their bodies of Aether long enough to shore up the field and get their people to safety. Even so, billions died in the event, which became known as the Great Cataclysm. This is what happened where it shattered the outer ring of the world and turned it into the two separated halves. Atria was divided. Uh, the northern half was plunged into darkness, while the southern half remained lit by the nearby sun. The five Imperial Lords who had been sent to protect the North were renamed the Shedim Lords. The survivors regrouped, and their struggle to adapt to new surroundings began. Now, over hundreds of years, they evolved to adjust to the darkness. As their skin grew paler, their bodies grew hardier and more cold-resistant. Their feet turned into claws so that they could grip onto the ice and the snow. Their hands turned into talons so that they could survive against you know, the wildlife that was there. Uh, their land became known as Asmodee, and their people the Asmodeans. Those in the southern half of Atreya were infinitely more fortunate. Uh, they had a star to light their world ultimately, so they had verdant fields. They were vigorous people, beautiful peoples, basically sun-blessed race of humans. Uh, the five Imperial lords who remained in the south were renamed the Seraphim lords, and the land became Elysia, and this people called the Elios, and that's the origin of those two factions. The Elios believed that they were blessed as Aeon's chosen, so they're pretty much a more arrogant um, more communal kind of race, as in the Asmodians are very tribal and very feral and very much looking into just protecting their own. 
Uh, that's pretty much all I have going now for the introduction and basically just the primer as to what is going on with this world. Why is it that these two factions are fighting this massive holy war with each other? Why is there such a massive division between the two races that used to be one? Uh, the next one that I'm going to do on next, next Monday is going to be on the Asmodians and their origins. Yeah, there is a lot to go from in terms of the lore, and they've done a very good job in terms of providing you with all of that information through different means. Like you found the library, and by reading certain books, you get the um, video clips that come up, cinematics, that give you a, a very rich cinematic lore history on on a variety of things. Yeah, that's something that I really dug. I mean, I've I've we played WoW, played Champions Online, we played a lot of different games, and I'm thinking, you know, there's books all over the place you can read about it. There's also, you know, paperback books you can read about it, websites you can read about it. But in this game in particular, it's just it was very cool that they found this. They wanted to pay attention to detail so closely that you go into the actual library. And there's books all over the damn place. You click on a couple of them to read them. They not only give you many pages of lore, they also give you, you know, a three to five minute cutscene, just narrating the whole thing to you and giving you, you know, the visuals. And it's very, very well done. That, and that's something that people have said about um, WoW, like with the Wrathgate, where they feel that they are so immersed in that. And that's one of their favorite quest lines right now. And especially that last cinematic, wherein Ion is full of that. There's cinematics throughout. Now, most of them are not obviously epic but the ones that are truly are the, the 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 game still is not without its flaws we're going to cover that more in different um in different podcasts I'm, I'm finding different things are i i wish there was more to it now granted i'm still at a low level so that's fine however case in point the ascension where now I've ascended both Asmodians as well as Elias, and I'm finding that what should be a very difficult quest chain is a joke. It's very, very simple to do. And when you get to the end, when you are fighting the, um, when you're in the vision basically, and you're fighting, mm-hmm. and you take on the four guys, four or five guys, and they're literally, you spin on them and they fall over, and then the boss shows up. And even on my ranger, who's a piece of shit, I mean, nothing, so easy to right. kill, she took him down like nothing. She, her life did not go down. So they basically boost your, your life up a lot, your HP, so that you can't die and you do a lot more damage. I felt that that was making it far, far too easy. I think there should be a way wherein you fail your ascension and you have to try again but they made it so that there was absolutely you could stand there and not do jack shit and i don't know some meteorite will kill them when you're close to half dead <laughs> because they made it so that you can't fail and i found that ascending both of them the quest lines leading up to the ascension they're quite different for both of them um for the elios it's it's, it's very tree ants kind of Lord of the Rings thing, which I really wish people would step away from the treance thing and find something more original. Whereas with the Asmodians, it's this freaking cards, like a Yu-Gi-Oh guy with trading cards and they're flying around them. And it really wasn't that original either. I found it very, very much like a lot of the things that we've already seen. I, I, I wasn't as impressed. 
I thought that it was interesting that when you finally ascend as an Asmodian, it's a, you know, show me proof of your divinity. And then you got to poof with the wings going up and all that shit. And if you don't have wings, I don't know what you're, you're delegated to become a pastry chef or something. Whereas with the Elias, it's like, dude was wondering when you'd show up, there's beer in the fridge, go grab yourself a cold one. And there's, yeah. there's nothing, dude, you don't have to prove jack shit. <laughs> and so there's like huge differences in both of them. But again, one of the main things that I'm having an issue with is where it's really not giving you enough difficulty for when it should be difficult. And yet some of the other shit that you're doing, like go kill some freaking skinks in the water. I die as a ranger. (laughs) So like, I mean, if I can survive this fucking shit in space, then I should be able to kill this freaking lizard is what I'm saying. Okay. And so there's a lot of things that I think they need to work on. And again, we're going to touch more on that later on in, in other podcasts because there's a lot that needs to be said. There is a lot of good things about the game. However, the gameplay is solid. The chaining skills is solid we're not even going to touch on crafting no don't even bring up crafting we're going to touch on crafting another day but there's a lot of things that are quite solid in the game now you know what i think with the biggest gripe at least as far as where, where you're concerned might be just in a lot of the questing it's kind of ambiguous and i'll, I'll be the first one to admit it it's you know i mean, even clearance said in in chat that um the three Old women, the three women that you speak to as an Asmodian doing your ascension quest are um, from Norse. Is it Norse uh, mythology? They're the three fates or whatever. Um, ultimately, what you're looking at is when you do that whole vision thing, that's supposed to be like a vision of the future. They are not very clear about that. They don't really convey that message that, oh, this is you when you're level 50. This is you when you're a seasoned veteran. You're already super powerful and whatnot. You know, maybe if they made the armor more elaborate, they would deliver that message a little bit clearer. But the game, it's it. I've, this is another part of my my RP thing that I'm gonna be writing for you guys soon. Is um a lot of the questing is kind of awkward. Like when you're a human being, you go from stealing grain and killing you know little lizards and shit like that to you know burning down houses and poisoning water supplies and just you become. You, you are the standing army of your faction until you hit 25. Once you hit level 25 and you enter the abyss, that's a whole nother game entirely. It's like, it literally is like going from WoW to Burning Crusade, you know, from level 25 onward. It's a really, really, really interesting situation there. And I hope that I can write more about that with the questing and whatnot because there's a lot of storyline, especially with the devas. Like, there are no humans in the, in the capital city. In Pandemonium and in Sanctum, depending on what your faction is, there's no humans. It's nothing but devas, specifically. It's just there's a lot of story on there that you can find online. You can find a lot of other places. You got hunted down. Half of it I've had to translate from Korean. But for the most part, they could do better at conveying this information to us somehow. They need to because I've read all the quests, and it's not very clear. You know, It's not 100% clear what the situation is, but if it were – then you would not have a single complaint as to what you're having now. As far as your ranger, hell, man, you're the one that rolled, you know, the the pussy class. I I don't know. I mean, if you can't kill a lizard, I'm sorry. Okay, mister. And I'm going to argue with you. There are actually humans, (laughs) but we'll touch on that another time. We're going to leave Aeon. And like I said, we will be covering quite a bit of it because both Enrique and myself are playing it right now. And it, when you can play it, it is something that I'm looking forward to actually getting to level of character. So it's just a matter of, can I 
get to play or not. Moving on from there, we're going to go into the section wherein we we, we talk about our work and whether it's fan fiction or RPing and things like that. Last week I read from my fan fiction, and this week Joe's going to read from his from his Ledger um, fan fiction, I guess you can call it. I don't know how much of it you're basing on things that you're actually doing in the game or if you've just basically taken the character and concepts and you're rolling from there. Both, actually. Um, It's a combination of um, things that I've done in the game that have led up to uh, the current character development and uh, things that I'm making up on the fly, things that I have kind of envisioned in my head if you will how how far have you have you looked ahead in terms of plotting ahead or have you done a lot of that uh it's already charted out pretty much from where i am right now for at least another 10 12 posts ish maybe very nice so i have 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 it pretty well planned out very nice okay with that i'll let you take over find the complete story at wayofthetotem.wordpress.com. The dream was always the same. He could feel the light being ripped from him, draining him of his strength, of his very essence, until nothing was left but a shell. He wanted to scream but could find no voice. Truly when the light was torn from him, it took with it all that made him who he was. As he lay there, crippled, staring at the night's starless sky, there appeared from the tree line five figures. The ghosts of a Talbuk, the spirit of the hunt, accompanied by the shades of the elements, strode forward to surround his body. The Talbuk reached down and touched his forehead, and the approaching darkness was replaced by a blinding light. Loder woke with a start. No matter how many times he had the dream vision, it never got any easier. For several months he had been having the vision started shortly after he aided in the downfall of the betrayer, Illidan. He had momentarily touched the skull of Gul'dan, and the dreams had plagued him ever since. It always began with intense pain, and ended with the blinding light. All points before and after remained shrouded to him. Loder stood up slowly, gathering his wits about him, weary and exhausted from too many sleepless nights. I should talk to the Farseer soon. He spoke aloud to the early morning's pre-light, his voice holding more uncertainty than he cared to admit. Gathering his belongings, he reached into his backpack for the stone that would summon his mount. It was a smooth, small stone, etched with a single rune. He held it in his hand and spoke the command word. Now he waited. It was only a few short seconds after he finished donning his armor and securing his shield that a golden griffin landed lightly in front of him. The avian creature cocked its head to the side as if to regard Loder with a sense of irritation. Loder smiled at the creature and offered it the remnants of the dried meat he had made dinner and now breakfast out of. He patted the creature's flank. Come, my friend, he said with familiarity in his voice. We have much to do. He leapt onto the griffin's back and the duo climbed in the air, 
it was time to see Nabundu. Loder guided the griffin through the trees of the Terracar forest and over the walls of Shatrath City. The one city of light had survived siege many years ago, but was still a shadow of its former glory. A pang of loss coursed through him as he flew through the mage portals. They landed lightly in the Terrace of Light. Loder had taken the scenic route. It was late afternoon. He hopped off the griffin and reached to give him more dried meat before sending the avian off. As he strode towards the portal to the Exodar, Loder saluted Khadgar and Adal, not wishing to interrupt their conversation. He stood before the portal to the Exodar and stared at it for a long while. Loder never liked traveling by portal. He preferred more natural means. Exhaustion from too many short nights' sleep added to his anxiety as he looked at the swirling blue space of arcane magic. Unfortunately, there was no better way to traverse worlds that he knew of, other than a ship like the Exodar or the Dark Portal, and he was well aware how those ended. He took a deep breath and stepped forward into the portal. It felt as if his body was being dissolved, spreading everywhere in the cosmos, almost as if he could touch infinite awareness. Then slowly he felt himself being pieced together, until eventually he was standing once again in the Exodar, trying to shake the feeling of cold that had settled in the center of him. Loder looked around the Vault of Lights. Not much had changed since he was last here. He walked slowly towards the seat of the Naru and hung a lazy left heading towards the Crystal Hall. The hall always made him smile, its warm, rich colors welcoming him home. Striding casually forward, he made his way to the Farseer Nabundu's space. Loder could see the Farseer and a few of the young pupils eagerly hanging on every word. He could hear the tail end of a lesson as he approached. Your journey begins with these simple words, Nabundu said. Everything that is, is alive. The pupils nodded and were dismissed. Loder met the gaze of his mentor and walked up the shallow steps, the students only stopping long enough to marvel at the lightning crackling against the pauldrons of his armor before shuffling off elsewhere in the ship. Nabundu smiled. You've come a long way to see an old soul, young one. He smiled a smile that warmed Loder's very core. No distance is too great to seek words of wisdom from one's teacher, regardless of age. A smile formed on Loder's face. The two clasped hands and then embraced the way a father and child would. You've not come for a long time. I trust this isn't just a social call. Loder's smile widened. Nubundu always had a way of cutting to the root of a problem when he wanted to. You would be correct. I seek your guidance. I've begun to have dreams of a fashion. More to the point, one dream that continues to play in my sleeping mind's eye. It has never changed aside from growing in intensity and clarity. I fear I do not know its meaning. Thinking back on the dream, the smile disappeared from Loder's face. Perhaps it is rather that you are afraid you do know its meaning. You believe that I am able to shed some light on the vision sleep has granted you. Very well, then. Sit, and let us talk. The old shaman motioned to a series of cushions on the ground. Loder picked a modest one and lowered himself down, waiting for the fireseer to do the same. Tell me of this dream, my student. Loder relayed the events of the dream, making sure not to miss anything that might be important. When he finished, he observed the old shaman gazing through him pensively. He waited a long time for the Farseer to respond. My student, there is much that is left unclear. 
I must ask the spirits about this. You may retire for the evening. I shall have more for you by the light of dawn. Oros will make sure you rest well, and that this dream shall not plague you, so you might get some duly needed rest. Loder nodded. He understood that there was likely a complicated chain of events that would lead up to and beyond his dream, and it might take some time for his mentor to find out what those events were. Thank you, Farseer. I shall see you in the morning's light. He stood and made his way back to the seat of the Naru, and headed off to secure a bed at Caregiver Briel's inn. Answers would come with the dawn, he resolved. But for now, he would take his master's advice. Loder said a quiet thank to Oros. Sleep was quick to come for the weary shaman. Loder awoke in the early hours of the morning, but unlike before, he felt rested. True to the farseer's word, Oros had granted the tired shaman dreamless sleep. And for that, he was truly grateful. As Loder shook the last grips of sleep, he was startled to see Nabundu sitting in front of the stool, his bed. The old shaman had his eyes closed and a totem held between his hands. A glance around the room told Loder that they were alone. Even the caregiver was nowhere to be seen. I see even Briel gives the farseer wide berth when he makes a house call, Loder noted with a smile. But that usually means bad news, doesn't it? Nabundo opened his eyes and regarded Loder with an apologetic look. I regret that you are correct in your conclusion. My news is not that which I would choose to bear. I have spoken at length of the spirits trying to find all before and after your dream. The path, however, is blocked from even the oldest of our ancestors. There is not our efforts can do to pierce the veil. The farseer shifted uncomfortably on his stool and placed a hand on Loder's shoulder. I am sure you already knew your dream is important to the future. It is an event that is immutable. The dream is the event of your death. Loder had that thought shortly after the dreams began. He hoped it was just some trick of the skull of Gul'dan, but deep down he knew what it was. He regarded his mentor now, a look of fierce determination about his features. I do not fear death. I helped slay the demon general in his own lair. I have walked the gate of time and defended the world tree. I have paced through the halls of the Eye after dethroning the bloody Prince of Lies. I have cleansed the temple of our people from the foul stake of the betrayer and defended the Sunwell from the deceiver. Loder stood slowly. I have done much good with my time, I believe. If I am to die, I shall meet it honorably and shall join the light of my people back to the beginning. Nabundu stood as well and locked eyes with Loder. That, my boy, is more than most of us can say. You have done much to defend the balance, and it has not gone unnoticed. The spirits will watch over you in your journeys. Your ancestors and the ancestors of all things living will be there with you. Pride shone in the farseer's eyes. The only question that remains, my pupil, is what path will you choose from here? The young shaman stroked his chin thoughtfully. I hear there's an expedition headed to Northrend. The Alliance will surely need healing in the cold wastes of the North. They seek to bring down the Lich King. I'm certain I can lend them a hand and hoof. The smile of a man with purpose slowly crept on Loder's face. I feel that is my destination. It feels... like the right choice. Loder clasped arms with his mentor. Thank you, teacher. 
whether in this life or the next, I shall see you again. Nabundu nodded and then handed Loder the totem. The farseer didn't say anything. He just patted Loder on the shoulder, then headed off to his little area to begin the lessons of the day. Loder watched him go and then looked at the totem. It was intricately carved and made out of wood he had never seen. It looked as though all the elements were carved into it, all blended into one another. An object lesson, perhaps? He put the totem in his relic pouch, then grabbed his backpack. Loder walked out of the Exodar and casually made his way to the docks. It was time to head to Menethil Harbor, secure passage to Northrend. After all, what better place to begin the hunt for the fallen son of Lordaeron? Thanks for listening to For the Lore. You can find Joe at twitter.com slash lodgerzj, as well as worldamanicus.com and wearethetotem.wordpress.com. Enrique can be found at twitter.com slash spoonwolf and spooncraft.com. And this, of course, is Roger from forthelore.com, and I'm at twitter.com slash wowdogs. If you have any questions, comments, or submissions, feel free to send them to forthelore at gmail.com. If you're downloading the show from iTunes, please do us a favor and drop us a review. While you're at it, maybe five stars. Every time you do, someone bypasses the Q&I on and gets to play. Please, think of those poor, unfortunate bastards. Do it for them. I'd like to take a moment to send a shout-out to all of the freaks who took the time to listen to the live podcast on Monday, the recording. It was a blast having you all there. I'd like to send a personal shout-out to Ginny. Ginny's the artist who made the sketches which I use for the logos for the podcast. She's fantastic, and you can find her at magicalmelonball.deviantart.com, and you can order yourself some personalized sketches of your tunes if you want to. Also, huge thanks to Manila Jamal, the amazing guitarist whose songs we use in the podcast. The man's a god on that guitar and you could support him by buying his CD at ManelliJamal.com. It's definitely worth picking up. If you'd like to support us, you can click the donate button in the show notes at ForTheLore.com and trust me, every little bit helps. Make sure to leave your schedule open on November 12th for episode 3 with the live pre-show starting at 6.45 Eastern Time, p.m. of course. We'll see you then. I'm trying to use this social stream, and it's telling me I'm using inappropriate language. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, because we're covering Aeon. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be all manner of inappropriate. Hey, you know what? It could have been worse. It could have been so much worse. No, yeah, but it can always be worse. I mean, anarchy, anarchy Online could have been worse. Oh, There's always God. a could oh, have been worse. That doesn't make it any <laughs> less bad. Man, yeah, Jesus. It's <laughs> like, you know, you could have had gangrene. Could have been, it could have been worse, yeah. Fucking tsunami could have taken your house and the game away from you. Actually, that might have been better. Oh, yeah, can we turn off the damn sensor? I don't know. Good uh, lord. I'm going to check. censor for me. Chat censor. Yes, it did. I'm showing censored, test censor, censored. <laughs> Not on uh, my screen. I would censor you too if I had the choice. <laughs> Can I just shut them the fuck up? Is that possible? <laughs> no, no, there's no program on the internet possible. <laughs> Powerful enough to do that. 
Oh, gotcha. God Jeez, damn, he's smart. He's a lot smarter than I am. Thanks, Tex. <laughs> Good thing he's here. Uh, How many glasses of wine have you down so far? Uh, just Raj? one. Shut up. All that means is you got to be a lot more clever with your swearing. That's all that means. That's a challenge to you, Sammy. Impress the hell out of me. Insults with cheese. Bring it on. Come on. You cheesing bastard. <laughs> Mother cheeser. Mother cheeser. <laughs> God. I'd cheese you up the ass if I had to. You know, I just might like it. And I suddenly feel like I need to bleach myself. Thanks. It's soft and bushy, just like cheese. Oh, oh. <laughs> just for you, oh. baby. Come on, there's a line. I, I am, there I is am no line. I dance upon your line. We got beavers. I trust. I know beaver is all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've seen my share is all I'm saying. And it does not look like that. You're comedy relief. That's the only reason I brought you on. You know, it just doesn't feel the same without having freaking Roger on webcam for the first 30 minutes of the show, fumbling around, breaking things. <laughs> Man, I got a raid. Man. Oh, that's a whole bunch of disturbing images. Christ, that with the cheese stock. Good Lord. You're a minute late, you bastards. Coffee <laughs> <laughs> bastards. Start now. Dude, I'm getting paid in fucking insults and, and you know, like strife and angst. And you're lucky to be getting that. Let's be honest. That's okay. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show, I'll show all you. you. I'll show you. You can't play with my ball no more. <laughs> I am sorry we ran 15 minutes late, but I had to rage. I had to get it out. There was so much rage in me. And as it was, I contained myself. There was more. There was so much more. I so, know. But for you, I contained it, my friend. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And I'll be sure to stoke the fires next time. <laughs> it was the same goddamn alleys that you were going through all the time. And then there was lag to all oh, hell and it didn't work and you'd go in and kill the boss and the boss didn't die but he was dead but he didn't die and then he'd be stuck in a wall i had one time where and it was like one of the big i'm trying to remember now it was like one of the big fucking bosses and i killed him and he dropped a whole bunch of shit in front of me including the the, the gold items which i hadn't seen a single one drop yet and it was like mine and it dropped and it froze that shit froze and i could not get in i couldn't move i couldn't do anything i couldn't get my loot the boss was still stuck and i'm like fucking petitioning the gms here saying somebody unstuck me okay whatever you got to do <laughs> unstuck my ass there's a gold item there i wanted and it was like nobody was coming into the to answer the ticket i was stuck there i got so frustrated finally i logged off and i thought i'll log back in and see if the shit is still there log back in go into the phasing instance kind of thing run all the way back and it's like everybody's back the boss is still there none of my shit i dropped them again no gold item no gold item I wanted my gold item. I wanted that <laughs> shit. I wanted it. It was wrong. It was mine and I should... Oh, oh, uh, I was so mad. That, that game disappointed... Oh, if they would have made it so that it was um, a lot more, you know, working. Big time. Big time. Big time. It was a fucked up. <laughs>